Actually, we're coming on to this story uh, this week. And so last week, as you might recall, um, we had just crossed through the Red Sea and we were singing songs of deliverance. Uh, and so we're going to walk, uh, just take one step further into the story, probably the shortest journey that we're going to take this, uh, this year together through this uh, uh, series we're going through called Our Story. Am I ready for that? Are we good to go? I'm going to make sure I'm functional. Nope. Uh, there it is. So we're going through this, remember this series, if you're brand new to us, we're going through our story, the, the story of God and his deliverance um, of his people. And so we're starting with Genesis 1, we're going to end in Revelation 22, and today we are in Exodus uh, chapter 16, just on the other uh, side of that deliverance. I don't know what I'm doing wrong, y'all. I'm going to try one more time and see how, oh, there you go. Totally, it's always on me. I don't always pay attention and turn things on when I'm supposed to. So we're, today we're in uh, just one chapter over from last week when we were in Exodus 15. This week we're going to be Exodus 16. And so if you need a Bible to follow along, raise your hand. And while you're raising your hand, we want to say thank you to our friends from Hillcrest Church who brought all those amazing snacks here tonight, right? Thank you guys for bringing those for us. Um, here at the well, we really want to honor God's word. And so if you are here for the first time, one of the things we're going to say after we read the scripture is um, this is the word of the Lord and all of us are going to say together, thanks be to God. So it looks like we've got all the Bibles we need. Um, so as you're turning into there, you'll recall that last week, for those of you that were on the journey with us, we were in this great song of deliverance. God had rescued his people from, not only delivered them out of slavery in Egypt, but actually rescued them from the vengeful um, attack of the Pharaoh who was going to try to wipe them out. And God rescued from them by doing this really strange and unbelievable thing, parting the Red Sea so that they could walk through it. And the song that we looked at had this chorus line in it. In chapter 15, it says, Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Horse and rider he is hurled into the sea. It says that uh, Miriam took a tambourine and kind of led a chorus of singing of that uh, tune. Interesting, though, as we turn to this week's story, the tune changes quite a bit in a, what seems like a very short period of time. So, and we turn to Exodus 16, right after this song of deliverance, we read this. The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin. Just to be clear, it's the desert of Sin. It says Sin, not to be confused with Sin, the big thing. It's just the name of a place. Desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai on the 15th day of the second month after they left Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat. We ate all the bread we wanted. You have brought us out into this desert to starve the entire community to death. The Lord said to Moses, I'll rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. And in this way, I will test them to see if they will follow my instruction. On the sixth day, they're prepared uh, what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to the Israelites, In the evening, you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. And in the morning, you'll see the glory of God. Who are we? 
that you should grumble against us. Moses said, you'll know that it was the Lord who gives you meat to eat in the evening and bread that all the bread you want in the morning because he's heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You're not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. And Moses told Aaron, say to the entire Israelite community, come before the Lord, he's heard your grumbling. And while Aaron was speaking, the whole Israelite community looked toward the desert. And there was the glory of God appearing in the cloud. And Moses, uh, the Lord said to Moses, I've heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat. In the morning you'll be filled with bread. And you will know, I am the Lord your God. This is the word of our Lord. It's a good story, right? I think a lot of us, even if you have kind of limited uh, experience in church, probably have some version of this story uh, alive in your imaginations, right? The children's Bible story version of something, uh, some version of this story, right? It usually goes something like this, right? The people cry out to God for food, and God feeds them. Like a faithful father who hears the cries of his children, and graciously provides for what they need. God is a good father. He hears their prayer. He provides for them. That's a great message from this story. It's very appropriate. It's very good. And it's very true. So we give thanks to God for it. But I mean, y'all are college students. So let's go a little deeper into the story, huh? Let's dive a little bit deeper into this story, friends. Because I tell you, if you will dive deep into this story together, you too will see the glory of God appearing in the desert. That's worth diving deep, right? So let's dive into it together. Right? We've already covered, to do this, we're just going to go through the basic, use the basic tools of good reading. Right? We've already talked about who. Let's talk about when this is happening. Right? How much time passed since God saved them from Egypt to this moment of grumbling against the Lord? If you had to guess, how long would you guess? Six months? Two years? What do you think? Did I hear somebody say two months over here? That's pretty close, actually. About six weeks. Six weeks. Verse 1 actually tells us, Moses is very clear to kind of frame this space for us. Uh, tells us that it was the 15th day in the second month. We know they left Egypt on the very beginning of the first month, so six weeks. Six weeks they went from glorifying the Lord for his deliverance to grumbling against the Lord for his neglect. That's quick, right? It's understandable, though, when you think about what they're going through. They're grumbling against the Lord because they're running out of food, right? They leave Egypt. They have food when they leave Egypt, right? It says that they took the things out of Egypt with them, so they had some food, but at some point along the way, they started getting thin. And I think a lot of times, like the, in stories that I, when I've heard folks talk about this, a lot of times the Israelites get this really bad rap, right? They're a bunch of whiners. What's wrong with them? Of course the Lord's going to provide. Well, let's just suppose for fun that you look out into this new space and for days, this is what you see. Or this. These are both pictures from 
the area around the Sinai Desert. Days of looking out into that space. How do you feed or sustain a community of several hundred thousands here? Yes, God had, res- had delivered them from slavery in Egypt. Yes, God had rescued them from Pharaoh, but seems to be that was several weeks ago when food's getting thin, and as they get hungrier and hungrier, and days go by, and that's all that you see. They go from glorifying the Lord for deliverance to grumbling against him for his neglect. Six weeks. We would never do anything like this, right? I mean, these Israelites, like they just missed out on God's provision. And we would never do something like that, not that quickly, right? No one here has ever worked at a Christian camp, right? And, uh, you know, somewhere around mid-October, say, like right now, would have gone from at the very end of August saying, Jesus, you are amazing. You have done amazing things in my life. I've seen you do miracles this summer. Whatever you call me to do, wherever you call me to go, I am in Jesus. And then sometime around, oh, say, I don't know, now, you start saying, God, where are you? Why do I feel hollow? Why didn't I get into grad school? Why am I failing this class? I thought you were my deliverer. Why aren't you delivering? No one here would ever go from glorifying God to grumbling against him that quickly, right? Y'all wouldn't do that, y'all are like next level. Right? No one here would go on a spring break mission trip the first week of March and say, God, you're awesome. Thank you for all you've done. Thank you for transforming my life. Whatever you call me to do, I will go. I'm in Jesus. But then say, I don't know, first week of May? That summer job isn't everything it's cracked up to be? God, I hate this job. Why am I here? Jesus, why did my boyfriend break up with me? Now I'm alone. I'm starting over. I thought you were my deliverer. Why aren't you delivering? At least two people know what I'm talking about here. That's good. I'm glad to know that. I mean, I'm not talking to myself. Okay, that's good. No one here would ever do that, right? Except those two people, Rosie and a couple others. No. <laughs> or maybe this story is a little more familiar. Maybe you've never found yourself in a physical desert before, but... Uh, a desert is any place that is barren and lifeless. Desert can be emotional space, mental space, relational space, vocational space, whatever the desert is. It's amazing how quickly we can go from glorifying the Lord to grumbling against Him. Isn't it? I want to zero in on that part of our story tonight. Because I think that when we find ourselves in the desert, our assumption is something's wrong, right? Who screwed up this whole thing and how do I get out of here, right? Some rendering of that. But actually Moses tells Israel, the Lord did this. Isn't that what he says? It wasn't me. If you've got a problem, it's with the Lord. The Lord brought you out to this space actually raises a really significant and profoundly troubling question. 
Did the Lord intentionally bring Israel out into the desert? Would the Lord, the one who delivered them from slavery, the one who rescued them from the vengeful pursuit of Pharaoh, have brought them into this barren, desolate place? Well, if there's any doubt in our minds about that, verse 10 answers it. As Aaron begins telling them how the Lord is going to provide for them in the desert, it says that while Aaron was speaking, like if anybody's ever going to cut you off, I guess if the Lord does it, it's okay, right? While Aaron was speaking, the whole community of Israel looked where? Toward the desert. And there was the glory of the Lord appearing in a cloud, calling them. Come to the desert. Friends, what if the desert is the clinic that God uses to rehabilitate our hearts and our minds with His will and His ways? Because what we see in this story is that while God has already delivered Israel from slavery, He has already rescued them from Pharaoh's vengeance, that their hearts and their minds are still in Egypt. You can hear it in their description of the past. Oh, in Egypt we sat around pots of meat. We had all the bread we wanted, never mind that they made us destroy, uh, kill our children, never mind that we were enslaved. Oh, we had all the food we wanted. We had all the bread we wanted. You could almost hear them start to sing songs. Oh, Egypt the beautiful. Makes sense, actually. Egypt was the military, economic, and cultural center of their world. And even though they were enslaved there, the prosperity and security of Egypt still captivated their hearts and their minds. Boy, it is such a good thing that we don't live in a place where like, the military and economic and cultural center of the world might be called. That'd be really hard, huh? It might be dangerous to have our own hearts and our minds captivated if we lived in a place that was the military, economic, and cultural center of the world. I'm just going to leave that there. God was not going to leave any part of them enslaved in Egypt. So he takes them out to the desert to rehabilitate their sense of where prosperity and security really come from. Promising that if Israel will follow him into the desert in the evening, you will know that the Lord is the one who brought you out. And in the morning, you will see his glory. Like God takes them, hear me now, God takes them out to the desert because he loves them. He wants to get the bread of Egypt out of their stomachs and fill their stomachs with the bread of heaven. And in fact, if we go further and further into our story, what we find is that the Lord's rehab clinic of the desert is not the exception to how God works. It's the rule. 
He does it every time. You can just follow the stories. God delivers them. He delivers their hearts. He rescues them from something. And then he goes on to the longer work of delivering their hearts and their minds. Out in the desert. Happens all the time. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Israel. You can go all the way through to the next uh, testament. You get to the New Testament. Jesus, oh, I could spend the whole sermon on that. That Jesus has to go out into the desert. Why? If anybody's got it right, it's him. Nope, you got to go out to the desert too. God takes him right from his baptism. This is my beloved son for whom I am well pleased. What's next? Desert. Right? The disciples, Paul, the church, it happens every time. God is always bringing his people into the rehab clinic of the desert. Why? Because the desert exposes our hearts. It reveals the parts of us that are still enslaved to the prosperity and security of whatever Egypt that we live in. In the desert, we learn through experience what it means that in the evening, you will know that the Lord brought you out of Egypt, and in the morning, you will see his glory. In the desert, friends, we learn who God is and how to see his glory. And I promise you, I promise you this is good news. Because our Father actually wants us to know him, to see him. And the rehab clinic of the desert is God's gift of transformation. The God of heaven, he's so heaven bent on delivering us from slavery, not just in body, but in mind and in Uh, And in heart, he's so bent on this that he delivers Israel from physical slavery. He rescues them from the Pharaoh. And then he brings them to the rehab clinic of the desert to deliver their minds and their hearts from the captivity they have to Egypt. And friends, I tell you, this is a much slower deliverance. The deliverance from Egypt was a, a period of weeks, probably, of all the plagues. Months at the most, the delivery of their hearts and their minds, 40 years. 40 years in the desert. In theological terms, what we're talking about here is sanctification. It's the work God does to deliver us from the bondage we have to sin so that we can know him and that we can see his glory. Salvation God does for us. Right? That's deliverance. In Christ, the Lord sets us free from the slavery of sin, from its effects of death, but uh, through the life and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Christ, you who have received Christ have received his deliverance. It is something God does for you. Regardless of your capacity to do anything about it, God delivers us from sin and death through his son, Jesus Christ, purely a gift from God, also true of Israel in Egypt. But sanctification, that process of being made more like Christ, becoming more and more the people God made us to be, that's something God does with us. And that too, friends, is good news. Because your Father is unwilling to let you stay enslaved. 
He will take you out to the desert and he will sit there with you for as long as it takes in order to give you a new heart and a new mind. So friends, when you find yourself in the Lord's rehabilitation clinic of the desert, don't run away from it. Don't start looking back to the security and prosperity that you remember because what you also need to remember in there is that it is enslaving you. It did then and it still does in its captivation of our imaginations and our hearts away from God. Follow the Lord into the desert. And again, that could be, for you, it could be physical space, but it could also be mental space, emotional space, relational space, vocational space that has become desolate and barren. I tell you, the glory of God can shine there, calling you, promising that if you will turn to Him and turn away from Egypt, you will know Him and you will see Him. Is that not exactly what happens in this story? Exactly what happens in the story of Israel. God promises in the evening you will know the Lord brought you out of Egypt. In the morning you'll see the glory of God. And the scripture says, we continue reading in verse 13, that very evening, quail came and covered the camp. And in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. And when the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost appeared on the ground of the desert floor. And when the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is this? For they didn't know what it was. And Moses said to them, It's the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone's to gather as much as you need. Take an omer for each person in your tent. The Israelites did this just as they were told. Some gathered much, some gathered little. When they measured by the omer, the one who gathered much didn't have too much. The one who gathered little didn't have too little. Everyone had all that they needed. Abundance in the desert. How can God deliver our hearts and our minds from enslavement, from our captivity to the prosperity and security of Egypt? Abundance in the desert. That's exactly what Jesus teaches us to pray, actually. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come. May your will be done here on earth just as it is in heaven. Give us today the bread we need for today. I know I often hear people talk about this prayer or about this particular story in Scripture that God gives you just what you need for today, just enough, just enough for what you need. And I wondered about that based on all that I were learning about God and Him being an abundant God, a God who makes all kinds of provision, a lavish God, an extravagant God, who wants to remake all things to lush, flourishing space. So I wondered, is that true? Because I've said that. God provides just enough. So I dug into it a little bit further. I want to know what an omer is. Well, if you read the rest of Exodus chapter 16, what you'll find, this very helpful little footnote at the end of Scripture, an omer is one-tenth of an ephah. <laughs> Great! Well, you, so you've got to keep digging. Sometimes, those things, sometimes the Lord gives revelation quickly. Sometimes it takes a while. Do a little bit more digging. And what I found out is an omer is about nine cups of flour. Or nine cups of grain. That's quite a bit. How much bread do you figure you can make with that? 
One loaf? More. That's right. Now you're getting it. Thanks, Sabrina. Two? Seven is a nice holy number, but we're going to have to go with another holy number. Yeah, you guys are so smart. Three loaves. Did you feel that? Just put, see, you might use two hands. Wow. That ought to do, huh? What do you think? What do you think? That's, yeah, yeah, hold on to that for a second. You figure that would be enough for the day? One omer per person per day for 40 years. That's a lot of quail sandwiches. <laughs> Friends, not just to get by, abundance in the desert. Your father will not leave you high and dry. He will not abandon you in the desert. Turn to him. For in that space, in the desert space, when God calls you into that space, in the evening, when you lay down at night, you will know who your deliverer is. And when you wake up in the morning, the glory of God will be shining. What a promise from this wonderful story of God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray to the God who brings abundance into desert places. Lord Jesus, King and Creator of the universe, our God, you are the bread from heaven, Jesus. And you continue to pour yourself out onto the dry and desert places of the earth. And so, Father, we cry out to you. Some of us, we hear this story, we're like, that's me. I, I, I remember glorifying you, but I have been grumbling against you. Thank you, Father, that you hear us even when we grumble against you. Awaken us to your presence. Shine the glory of your presence into those desert places in our lives. So that instead of running away from them, God, we are captivated by them because you're there calling us in. And then, God, may it be true. May the promises you have made here to Israel be true for us, the new Israel in Christ. May it be true. That as you call us into the desert, we too will experience the bread from heaven. The extravagant, abundant provision of your presence and your power and your glory, even in the most unexpected of places. Do this work in us, Jesus, until we can Know you, our deliverer, more and more, and we can see your glory shining in every space of our lives. We ask it in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.